0: Hello and welcome to Connected, episode two hundred and forty-eight. It's made possible this week by our sponsors Bombus Eero, and PDF Pen Eleven. I'm your host Stephen Hackett, and I am joined by my friend and yours, Mr. Federico Vitici.
1: Hello, Stephen. How are you?
0: I'm doing well. I'm a little under the weather, so if I sound a little uh, gross in places, I apologize. I'm trying to trying to hold on this week for recording, but uh, but I'm excited. So Mike is on assignment. And we are joined by Mr. David Sparks. Hey, man. Thanks for having me on. Yeah. So I don't know who would be listening to this who's not familiar with you, but of course you are the, the co-host of uh, Rosemary over on Automators, and you have a show called Focused with Mike Schmitz, and then you and I do Mac Power Users together. So again, everyone knows who you are. You're a celebrity, but I like to introduce people, you
2: know? Uh, yeah. In fact, I've been on this show once before, a long time ago. It was really fun. Oh, Yeah. I sort of remember years that. ago, years ago, years ago. Well, yeah. you're here today. I like, yeah, hey, I like being on the B team for Connected Man. Anytime I'm here, <laughs> awesome. We're, yeah, so we uh, we got a lot to
0: talk about today. We have some iPhone stuff. We're going to talk about uh, iOS 13. The two of you have been spending a lot of time with it. Kind of, kind of see how that's going. Uh, but first, we have some follow up, as is our tradition here. We had uh, an email from Caleb who said, regarding emoji search. So we have complained over the years that the Apple Emoji keyboard, there's no way to search for an emoji. So if you're looking for the, uh, you know, the light bulb emoji, you got to go over to Objects and find it. And he said, well, if you type a word, then Quick Type suggestions include. That emoji. Doesn't this solve the problem for us? And I'm curious, uh, David, I, I don't know, I don't think you're a huge emoji user. I don't think you're as big as my regular co hosts, but is
2: quick type suggestion is that
0: enough for you? Do you want emoji search or
2: or what? Uh it's nice because it reminds me that they're there because I forget. I, I my problem with emoji is I get into the habit of using like a group of like ten of them all the time. I'm not taking full advantage of the entire palette of emoji which makes me sad. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, but the, uh, yeah, no, I would like to be able to search. I don't know. I, I, there's a lot of emoji and it's really easy to get lost in that list just scrolling through it.
0: Yeah, the, the quick type for me is just kind of hit or miss. Like sometimes I think that it, I would type a word expecting it to surface an emoji and I got the word slightly wrong. So it didn't. It's the same problem with the emoji search on the Mac where some of the names aren't what you think they would be. So like quick type. Is good, but I think, uh, I think too that it it obviously presupposes that you're on the text keyboard. And if I'm going to send an emoji, I've probably already switched to the emoji keyboard and now I got to go back to the English keyboard. Like, uh, I think it would just be nice to have it uh, in more than one place. Uh,
2: I just realized we'll know when Connected has made it. Uh, Connected will have made it when QuickType recognizes Federico's labels for the emoji for QuickType. (laughs) (laughs)
1: So if we if we want to get weird fish to be recognized, I think um, all we need to do is to sort of uh, game the differential privacy feature. Mm. And um, I think a way to make it work would be to type weird fish and select weird fish and replace that text selection with a weird fish emoji. Uh, could be a way to trick differential privacy. If we do it at scale... Could be a way to trick differential privacy to think that um, people mean the microbe emoji when they type weird fish. Um, I'm not sure what the threshold for <laughs> getting into in the differential privacy suggestions would be. I'm guessing a few million yeah. text replacements. <laughs> um, I mean, it's totally possible. Uh, you know, if, if every connected listener were to share the, the, this strategy, with th- their closest friends and family members, I'm pretty sure we will get there. Um, so if 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 this campaign is something that you're interested in, if you wanna join the weird fish campaign, please start um, getting you know uh, your friends and family members to every every you know every few days type in weird fish in the notes app or in messages and replace weird fish with the microbe emoji, and maybe eventually we will get recognized by quick type um this is one of my goals for 2020 you know i'm giving myself six months to get into the differential privacy suggestions list uh we can get it done
2: i like the name too weird fish campaign are you on board the weird fish campaign if you are you'll do it right now
1: weird fish 2020 that's my goal (laughs) Uh, (laughs) i'm sure it's better than some candidates so uh yeah um anyway what what is next in follow up steven
0: Uh, Last week, I was challenged by Mike to sync an iPod with macOS Catalina, which I have done and wrote a blog post about it. And the the TLDR of this is it works basically the way iTunes does. You plug an iPod or an iOS device into your Mac, and it shows up in Finder in the sidebar. You can click on it. And... uh, so people on Reddit were arguing about this. This is slightly redesigned from iTunes. Uh, it is cleaner. I, I plugged this into a Mojave machine and compared it with iTunes. This is a simpler layout. I think a cleaner way of doing it. But you can sync all of your stuff, and as you would imagine, it sees albums that you have dragged into Music. It sees videos you've dragged into the TV app. Uh, it does what you would expect it to do. And honestly, I think they did a pretty good job of it. And I think it looks nice. And for people who still want this functionality or still rely on it, uh, it's still here. So uh, I think a, a thumbs up for the Finder iPod iOS device integration. You know, it's nice because it's – some people on Twitter were like, well, it's it's now it's just cluttering up Finder instead of cluttering up iTunes. Like, you don't see it t- unless you plug something in. Like, this is completely – hidden unless you need it. So I think it's, uh, I think they've done it pretty nicely. And uh, I think people who need this will still be happy with it.
2: Yeah, I, I did something similar. I've got a, a loaner MacBook right now belongs to a friend. And I called him up and said, what would happen if I put Catalina on this loaner? And he's like, oh, I don't care. Go for it. So uh, I've got a, a Catalina laptop and I attached an extra iPad mini to it that we had a floater in their house. we have floater ipad minis apparently uh no problem updated it through finder makes sense you know
0: yeah i think it's a good place for it you know people were kind of hoping they'd bring something like iSync back like it's totally fine in finder and the number of people who use this feature is only getting smaller year by year but clearly there were enough people who Still relying on it that Apple felt they needed to maintain it. And I think they've done a good job of that. So,
2: Well, it's way more discoverable. When we had iSync, how many people actually knew iSync existed? Uh, not many. <laughs> yeah.
0: Not too many. Uh, also, while we're talking about, I guess, things I've done, I, I don't know. I wanted to mention this. The boys on ATP and some other places were talking about the lattice work on the Mac Pro and how there was discussion or speculation that that came from a design for the g4 cube way back in time and well i have a g4 cube so i compared pictures and construction methods in this blog post so if you haven't seen that uh and you're interested in, in such esoteric details as vent holes on the back of a computer from 2001 i got you covered as uh, as you may imagine so that, that'll be in the show notes if that's your thing
1: yeah, that's my, totally my thing.
0: <laughs> it seems like your thing. Uh, yeah. one, one thing that I thought was actually kind of nice about this is I wanted to share part of the ATP episode, and I basically just exported a shared clip from Overcast and then published that in the blog post. So it's kind of a nice way to share podcast content on a website that I haven't done before. So I was happy with how that
2: came out. I thought it was great, but before we go on, guys, I have a comment as a visitor to the connected outline. Okay. Mm. I was reading your outline, and and dear listener, this is a very good outline. These gentlemen work really hard on this show, you can tell. But then you get to the bottom, and there's a section that's in red, and it says prediction rules, you know? Uh-huh. Uh-huh. <laughs> now, I, when I'm not being a nerd, I'm also a lawyer. I write contracts all the time. Sometimes they're for really big deals mm-hmm. and very complicated. I can't think of the last time I had one with rules as complicated as your prediction rules. I'm reading
1: them. <laughs> well, uh, that's because you didn't go to law school. Uh, this is, this is uh, obviously this is obviously an exceptional contract uh, between people who are having a contest. Um, I don't understand. I don't understand what's what's bad about this. It's it's a fanta- This this contract. This the approach behind these rules is taught at Stanford.
2: I I think it might be because it is complicated. This is very complicated rules.
1: (laughs) I think it makes.
2: There's exceptions to the exceptions.
1: Well, that's that's just a reflection of life, isn't it? Okay. Uh, Wow. You know, uh, rules are never simple. There's always exceptions and exceptions to exceptions. Um, It's it's merely a reflection of the complexity of everyday life. Well, and that's what makes it fun.
2: Well, it, it is. It's truly remarkable. (laughs) (laughs)
0: it's remarkable that we can keep them straight that's why they're typed out because we had some disagreements about what the rules actually were and so now as you can see david there are like 15 lines in this google doc outlining how it works
2: i feel like next you need to like print them and notarize them maybe have Mm. fingerprints and blood or something i I feel like this needs to go another step. wait hang
0: on how many of your contracts require fingerprints and blood just roughly uh, none, but this one might. Mm. i was suddenly really nervous for your clients. <laughs> man, sparks really means it.
1: <laughs> Stephen, what happened uh, to those drinks that you owed us for losing the non graded predictions?
0: Mm. Did I not do that, man? No, nope. that's a, that. That was an honest mistake. I owe you two I drinks.
1: propose a second rule, uh, an an addendum to the rule, oh, boy. that. Should the loser of the non-graded predictions not buy drinks, he must buy... Well, no, actually, let me think about this. There should be some sort of punishment in place for the next round of predictions, which is probably going to be for the September event. So because Steven did not buy us drinks, there will be... I will propose, when when Michael will be back, um, an addendum to the rules to account for... Stephen uh, failing to follow the rules of the non-graded predictions. It was an honest mistake. Yeah. There will be consequences. Well, the rules do not admit any kind of ignorance, Stephen. So, uh wow. Yes, okay. uh, there will be consequences for you.
2: You could just make him buy two drinks next time.
1: No, nah, that's too easy, though. You okay. would expect that. This is going
2: right. to be a lot worse for me now. <laughs> it's going to be bad.
1: You would think that buying two drinks would make sense, but uh, that would be too obvious. All right.
0: All right. And it's that's cool. how our rules became so complex, right there. Mm-hmm.
1: Well,
2: then, while you're doing it, you should make a new rule also. Like, if one host makes the other one sleep in a freezing, freezing hotel room, maybe mm. there's some advantage to that as well.
0: This episode of Connected is brought to you by Bombus. You might not think about your socks all that often because you're probably like me and you're super busy, and we don't have tons of time to devote time in our mind, time with our thoughts to what we put on our feet. However, let me tell you why you should think about Bombas. They make the most comfortable socks ever. I'm kind of picky when it comes to such things, and I've been super impressed not only with the quality and comfort of these socks, but the style as well. They have many colors, patterns, and lengths to choose from, so they look great in the gym, great at the office, and great out on the town. They're all made from super soft, natural cotton. Every pair comes with arch support, a seamless toe, and a cushioned footbed that's comfy without being too thick. Your feet, if they could dream, let's, let's say they can dream, they're dreaming of Bombas right now. And for every purchase you make, Bombas donates a pair to someone in need, which is super cool. Buy your Bombas today at com slash connected and get 20% off your first purchase. That's B-O-M-B-A-S dot com slash connected for 20% off. Open your browser and your feet will thank you for it. The URL one more time is bombas.com slash connected. Our thanks to Bombas for their support of Connected and all of Relay FM. So we're going to start this week talking about some iPhone rumors, and you may look down at your watch and realize that it's the middle of June, so you think we're talking about this year's iPhones, but we are not. iPhone rumors have wrapped around themselves, and we are now talking about fall 2020 iPhone rumors. Uh, Federico, what, uh, what does this story involve? Mm-hmm.
1: So, a friend of the show and honorary winner of uh, Connected Predictions, uh, Ming-Chi Kuo, um, (laughs) shared a new... (laughs) I think (laughs) Stephen owes him drinks, too. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah, totally. Um, He shared a new report about the iPhones that Apple is planning for 2020. So next year um and it's an it's it's an interesting rumor an interesting report in that it appears that Apple will not only bring five g to uh the top of the line but also slightly revise the screen sizes so the basically what's gonna happen is these the smaller iPhone, what is now the tens will get even smaller. And the bigger, which is right now in the current generation, the 10s Max, will get even bigger. So according to MinchiQo, Apple is planning to switch to move from five point eight inches, which is the iPhone 10S, to 5.4. And the 10s Max, which is um, 6.5 inches, will get bigger and reach uh, 6.7 inches in size. So the smaller gets even smaller, the, the bigger one gets even bigger. And the in all of this, the what is currently known as the iPhone XR will remain at the same screen size of 6.1 inches. Both the successors uh, to the 10s and the 10s Max will get 5G in 2020. So, not in 2019, but next year. However, Minchikuo thinks that the the 2020 iPhone 10R will have an OLED display, but it will not have 5G. It will still remain on uh, LTE, uh, even in, in 2020. So, there will be OLED parity between all of these three phones, but 5G will be exclusive to the top of the line. Um... I wanted to know uh, from you guys what you think of this idea of making the smaller phone even more compact and making the bigger one even larger. Uh, I think it makes sense. Uh, It's sort of a, it feels like Apple wants to sort of get the most out of what each phone model represents, but I'm curious to, I'm curious to know what you guys think about this.
2: It's hard for me to figure out when it becomes too big, right? I guess mm. I'd have to get my hands on it. I mean, clearly an iPad mini size would be too big, but how much right. further can they go? And um, uh, but that's it's, it's a it's a it's a relatively small increase in size. And then on the opposite end, I feel like that is one where there are a lot of people that are advocating smaller phones, and it seems like that's where they've made the most movement.
1: Yeah, I I do I do wonder if this is sort of a way to. And I could be wrong, of course, but maybe a way to avoid making a new SE phone uh, just by saying, "Well, we have a small version of the top-of-the-line phone. Maybe we should make it smaller so that we can avoid making a new SE version. We're just gonna make the smaller, the small one even smaller. And for those who like a big phone, we're gonna give them an extra 0.2 inches, um, which doesn't f- it doesn't feel like a huge difference." Um, but again, people who love big iPhones, uh, I mean, I I know that I would love an even bigger 10 S Max. So uh, I could go for that. Um and the the 5G the 5G difference between um the top of the line and the and the 10R or whatever it's gonna be called. Um I think it makes sense timeline wise, uh in that For example, in Italy, we just got the initial rollout of 5G in five cities, I think, last week. And Rome is one of them, but of course... um, In theory, my contract was moved from 4G to 5G, but I don't have a 5G phone to test it. Um, And it's going to be a while until... And Italy is a small country. It's going to be a while until... All of the major cities have a proper 5G network. So I think September 2020 for the first 5G iPhones makes sense. Um, and I think it also makes sense if the 10R is going to stay... Um, I don't want to say the budget phone, but the, the iPhone that costs less. Um, I think it makes sense to, to keep it on 4G for at least another year. Um, I think I saw somewhere that Quo also thinks that in 2021... All of the three iPhones will have a 5G radio inside, and that Apple is shooting for 2022 or 2023 for their own 5G modems, uh, if you know if they're ever gonna make those. So,
0: I think it all makes a lot of sense. Right now, the distinction between the 10s, the 10R, and the Max size-wise is very little, and the 10R, I think, or it's you know successors could benefit from being a step behind if it brings the price down and lte versus 5g would be a really natural way to do that so i think this all makes sense in in how we understand apple kind of using the the separate iphone lines now
2: if tim cook put you guys in the whiteboard room at apple that said new apple iphone hardware features what would you write on it
1: Mm, that's a good question. I mean, um, the camera sounds obvious, but really, I think that's what people tend to care to care about when it comes to new iPhones. I was talking to somebody, uh, a friend who works at Apple, a few weeks ago, and this person mentioned something that made me think of there's a there's a uh, I don't want to say a trend, you saw, but. It, it, This person said, um, a lot of us um, think it's more fun to work on devices like the Apple Watch or like the iPad or new stuff like the Mac Pro, where you can be creative and you can try new ideas as opposed to the iPhone, which is used by a billion people, and, and, and it's harder to make major groundbreaking changes because of all those people that are using iPhones. And so there's more constraint in, in, in the iPhone platform in that you cannot r- completely revolutionize the iPhone experience. Uh, because if you do that, the consequences will be felt at scale, and a billion people don't like major drastic changes, which probably also explains why Apple isn't going for a major redesign of their software like they did for iOS 7 um, because of the problem of scale of so many people using iPhones but in the context of how can we sell new iPhones if it, if it also if it's become so challenging to to bring any major additions i feel like better camera or new camera features is the kind of functionality that functionality that people are still willing to experiment with and to pay for on an annual basis. And it feels like an area of smartphone development where it is still possible to innovate and try crazy wild ideas. I mean, you look at what Google has done with the Pixel line and you look at what Huawei is doing I mean, besides you know the ban <laughs> and and all of that political mess. Um, but what Huawei has done with the optical zoom on the on the what's it called the Mate 20 Pro, um, I think the camera department is still a place where smartphone makers can innovate, can try wild new ideas. Um, and honestly, I don't know what else I would ask for. I mean, yeah, I would love I would love to have a bigger phone. Um, I would like to have Uh, two-way wireless charging so that I could put my my AirPods on, on my iPhone and charge them. And that's supposedly happening in 2019. I'm not sure there's any other wild and new feature or design change that i would like to see on my phone would i like to get rid of the notch yeah for sure i would love to have just a single seamless display where the face id sensor and the camera are underneath the display so that i don't see any sensor housing in on the front of my phone but is that even possible i don't know so i feel like maybe camera and 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 hiding those sensors would be the things that i would put on a whiteboard but the second one removing the sensors completely i don't know how possible that is for apple right now
2: how about you steven
0: i think i agree with basically all of that i think i would specify that not for me necessarily but apple has fallen behind a bit on the selfie camera game and uh you know the pixel has a wide angle one and others are using much higher quality hardware up front apple's been slow to move in that direction and i think they need to uh you need to get on that train of having multiple selfie cameras or a, m- a much better, more versatile one. But past that, I mean, I sort of lack the imagination for this exercise, I think, because uh, I, th- I feel like every year I think, oh, well, like what could they add to the phone at this point? And then they add something that's amazing and that I want immediately. So I don't know. Uh, I think I think the camera is, is clearly uh, always on the list. I think something else that, that could be considered is... Uh, is something to do with battery life. I know, you know, that that's held back by physics and science, but man, to have a multi-day iPhone really would be incredible. And, uh, you know, that's just not there yet. That's beyond the the whiteboard exercise, but it's something that I always wish for.
2: Yeah. I've talked to several people lately who are not, um, like power user, iPhone users, you know, don't listen to connected, but, Uh, about their upgrade strategies just it's just kind of come up in conversations because they know about me and the question they always ask me is is the camera better that's all they want to know it's like i'll say oh you get face id now i had a friend upgrading from a seven and she could care less about face id but she just wanted to know is the camera better and i do think that's what sells phones at this point on hardware at least
1: yeah i also want to mention uh fast charging uh via using USB-C power delivery, um, I feel like there's something that Apple could do to make charging even better. Uh, and of course, I agree with Steven on the battery side, um, even though that's probably not possible yet. Uh, but yeah, I, I think, and we're going to get some of these improvements in 2019 with the with the three lenses in the, in the back of the new iPhones. So we're going to get some major uh, camera improvements. And, and I hope that whether it's the the more lenses allow Apple to have even better portrait shots, um, or even better uh, depth sensing and color reproduction, I hope to see some improvements to or some kind of night mode. Um, especially after seeing, uh, you know, what what the folks using the the latest Huawei phones or the Pixel Three can do with the night mode, I think it's impressive, and I think it's a feature that I would also like to have on my iPhone. Um, and we we talked about this a few months ago regarding the Smart HDR and the photos that the iPhone XS can can take. Um, I continue to believe that the standard look of photos taken on the 10s is a bit boring and a bit dull uh, in terms of colors and in terms of contrast. I would like to see Apple going after a more... Um, sort of the, the kind of look that photos taken on a Pixel phone have. Uh, you know, beautiful colors, lots of contrast. And I know that it is possible to achieve that effect uh, using the photo editing tools available on iOS. I'm just saying that I think the default look um, of photos taken on the XS. At least for me, personally speaking, it's a matter of taste. You're free to disagree with me. I think it's a bit boring. And so uh, I'm not sure what kind of improvements Apple is planning for the new cameras in 2019, but I hope that it's not just new modes or new features, but also an, an overall different look for how pictures come out of the the iPhone's camera by default.
2: Do you ever uh, hear the story about um, when Steve Jobs went to dinner with his wife at some Microsoft person who kept bragging about their tablet initiative? And then he apparently went back to Apple and said, you know what, let's just make a tablet. I'm tired of hearing it. I feel the (laughs) same way about the Android night photo feature. I was just with a friend Mm -hmm. recently and he was showing me every single one he took, you know, because my phone, my iPhone wasn't taking as good as night pictures. I kind of wish Apple would just put that in so I don't have to hear about it anymore.
1: Yeah. Yeah, it's a great feature. <laughs> also, I'd like the feature. <laughs> yeah.
2: But, yeah.
1: <laughs> it's
0: sometimes like, just do it so we can quit talking about it, you know? <laughs> That's a real thing.
2: Yeah, I mean, the hardware is there. I bet, I believe they could probably do it with existing hardware. I don't even think this is a hardware thing. It's probably a software thing. But, yeah, please, just move that one along, folks.
0: <laughs> well, so uh, I guess we'll keep our tabs on these phones and the phones of this fall. This is going to get complicated, <laughs> covering two years of iPhone rumors now. I hope this isn't the new norm, honestly. Mm. But, uh, but I wanted to, to touch base on it today. So uh, We're going to talk about some more stuff after I tell you about our second sponsor. This episode of Connected is brought to you by Eero. The folk at Eero have built the Wi-Fi system they wish everyone could have in their homes, a fast, reliable connection to every room and even the backyard. It all starts with the second-gen Eero device, which has three 5GHz radios for increased speed and range. It sits flat on any surface, connecting over Ethernet or wirelessly. Then you can easily expand the coverage throughout your whole home by adding in Eero beacons, which are devices that plug directly into the wall, allowing you to reach every corner of your home. And with Eero Plus, You can enjoy total network protection to block malicious content, making sure that everyone is safe on your network because it uses advanced security checks to make sure the sites you're visiting aren't in a database of bad places on the web. It includes content blocking so you can choose what your kids can and cannot visit right within the Eero app, ad blocking, and third-party security apps like EncryptMe, 1Password, and Malwarebytes. With Eero, you can install an enterprise-grade Wi-Fi system in your home in just a few minutes. And if if you ever need help, Eero has incredible customer support on hand, ready to go. I've been using Eero in my home for years with a base station and several Eero beacons. And it means that I have fast, reliable Wi-Fi no matter where I am in my home or even out in the yard. It's really great. And the hardware looks nice. It's not something embarrassing you want to hide behind the TV or in a closet. It's well-designed, so it's totally fine if it's visible, which I appreciate. With Eero, you never have to think about Wi-Fi again. To get $100 off the Eero base unit and two beacons package and one year of Eero Plus, just go, and I can't believe this is the URL, eero.com slash weirdfish. And at checkout, enter the code weirdfish. That's E E R O dot com slash weird fish. All one word. Once again, that code weird fish. Our thanks to Ira for their support of this show and Relay FM. All
1: right, so we have a new developer beta of iOS 13, iPadOS 13, and macOS Carolina, and WatchOS 6, and tvOS 13. All of the OS's received a new developer beta this week. Uh, still no public beta. So, uh, if you're the kind of person who would like to install a beta but prefer to wait for the public one, you're still gonna have to wait. Um, and I kind of and, and I wanted to discuss uh, sort of the, the the state of these betas. Um, David, do you do you have them installed? Uh, I mean, besides Carolina, do you have iOS thirteen or iPadOS anywhere?
2: Yeah, I was one of those guys that got in line at John's computer in San Jose, right? you know, there was like, it was like, it felt like a drug deal going down. I was going over to John Voorhees computer to have him install uh-huh. iOS 13 on my iPad. So, and these things like, I feel like they expand. This is the problem with putting the beta on one device is it expands. And since I've left uh, San Jose now, I now have it on my 13 inch iPad pro I have it on a a separate iPad mini, and I have it, uh, Catalina, on an extra laptop. But that's as far. I've been able to contain the spread of beta to those three devices. I think I'm okay for a while. How about you?
1: I have iOS 13 on my iPhone. iPadOS on my 12.9-inch iPad Pro. And watchOS 6 on one of my two Apple Watches on the 44 model. All right. Um, all in. I don't have Carolina. I don't have Carolina. But I also have tvOS. So yeah. almost all in. Um, and let me tell you, it's not going well. <laughs> at least for me. Um, yes. So um, my iPad is mostly fine. Um, besides, you know, the occasional uh, springboard crash or just app crashes or slowdowns or just weird UI elements getting stuck, it's mostly fine. The iPhone is the problem. So I, to give you a summary of what is going on, um, almost every CloudKit-based app or process on my iPhone is currently locked up and not syncing anymore. My notes are not syncing. Um, So, for example, um, give you some numbers. I have four hundred and sixty notes in my account. I can see these notes on the iPad. I can see these notes on beta.icloud.com, which, by the way, can be accessed from the iPad version of Safari now. Um, My iPhone only has sixty of these notes, and there's a spinner that keeps going, and after a while, it crashes my Memoji have disappeared, my messages are not syncing, my reminders are syncing. I think it's the only app that is working correctly with iCloud. My calendar is not syncing, my mail, my iCloud mail is not working. Um, so yeah, I'm basically currently unable to get any work done on my iPhone, I cannot take any notes, I cannot access my email, my messages are not syncing, I, of course, i am submitting feedback to Apple, I'm sending all kinds of diagnostic files, which is, by the way, uh, much, much, much easier to use, uh, to do, thanks to the new feedback app in, in the betas, uh, that automatically generates a sysdiagnose for you, so that's, that's convenient. Um, but yeah, uh, the, especially on the iPhone, I'm not sure what's going on. This never happened to me before. Uh, I mean, I had beta problems before, but not to this extent. Um, so if your question is, is beta 2 okay to put it on my main device? I would say not yet. I would still wait for the public beta. It's fine on the iPad. Um, as I mentioned, Not not... I haven't seen any major problems, and again, I'm just taking notes and working on my iPad because it's the only device where iCloud is actually working. Um, and there are some changes in the in in beta two um, that I would like to highlight. Uh, we're gonna talk about files. We're gonna talk about shortcuts in in the in the next segment on this episode. But beta two. Um, finally opened up and by final i mean it's finally after two weeks but still uh this was not available in beta one but you can now connect to smb shares in the files app and i tested this with my my mac mini which i use as a home server i don't know if you tried this david um but i uh, i i was just able to open the files app and in the sidebar you connect to a to a server on your local network um so i just typed in mini.local and i typed in my username and password and i was able to access my mac mini from the ipad and the files app and it's really really nice
2: and you know what i love Uh, about that command k is how you do it with a keyboard mm -hmm. exactly like the mac
1: exactly like the finder uh i don't think apple is supporting uh, automatic discovery of servers and shares on the same local network, I had to type the, the address manually. Uh, maybe it's a feature that they should add to automatically scan your network and, re- and find SMB shares, so you can tap them and, and connect to them. Um, but it's nice in that a server just shows up in the Files app, and not only in the Files app, but any other files-based UI that you have on, on, on iOS. Uh, so the apps that use the document browser, for example, if they recompile for iOS and iPadOS 13, they get access to the same SMB shares that you see in the files app. Or if you want to import a file using a file speaker, like in Slack, for example, or in Mail, you will see the server in there as well so it's not just the files app but all the other layers that the the files app can generate in the operating system um also in beta 2 um i think i mentioned this before Unconnected, maybe last week um all of my shortcuts broke in the transition from 12 to 13 um the migration tool that apple had in place um to, to switch the, the format of the old shortcuts to the new built-in shortcuts app, it didn't work. It basically emptied all of my variables and all of my magic variables. It appears that with oh beta boy. 2... Yes. But <laughs> as I think i uh, maybe If I didn't talk about it on the show, maybe I told Mike in person. I was pretty sure that the data was still there. It just wasn't exposed in the UI. And in fact, with beta 2, uh, all of those variables are back and all of my shortcuts are working again there's some uh like some conditional blocks some magic variables that need manual adjustment but it definitely feels like apple can take that data back uh with the, with the with the next beta and make sure that the transition works for everybody so um at least those are working again uh and um what else is new in beta 2 uh there's a bunch of fixes and really um from beta 1 to beta 3, uh, I saw this going on Twitter today, um, and, and it's, a com- it's also the consensus that, you know, talking to Apple engineers, everybody says this, uh, if you have feedback, if you have ideas, if you have bug reports, the best time to get in those reports to Apple is within the timeframe of beta 3. Because after beta 3 is out, um, all kinds of different teams at Apple need to decide which features are in and which features need to be postponed for the next point release or the next update. Uh, so they're basically locking in the features and the fixes that you will get in September when the OS, when the OS comes out. So all of your ideas, reports, feedback, uh, bugs and issues that you have, get those in right now, and especially before beta 3 comes out. Um, there's an, There's a discussion to be had about whether this is a, and Marco was student about this today. Is this a functional organization that you know, the only good time of the year to get your reports in is basically four weeks in June? Is that an ideal situation? Probably not. But still, the reality of the matter right now is if you have a problem with iOS 13 or iPadOS, write <laughs> a feedback rec- report to Apple right now. Uh, now's the best time. And I put the feedback up on my home screen because I do have a bunch of problems and ideas that I would like to see addressed. And hopefully they will consider some of them. Uh, but anyway, I would say keep waiting for the public beta. If you absolutely want to check it out, um, try and find a spare device like David did. Maybe borrow one from a friend um, or use an old iPad or an old iPhone do not unless you unless you make a living out of writing about apple software um do not put the beta on your primary device yet Wait for the bu- for the public beta. The public beta is not perfect, but it's it's uh, you know I think it's more accepted that the public beta won't will not do terrible things to your data or, uh, trash, your apple cloud. Know, or trash your iCloud in yeah. theory I hope that this bug can uh, so this is interesting because I opened the feedback app after submitting this bug report about CloudKit, uh, and it says uh, this is I think one of the new features of feedback that uh, feedback assistant that I've never seen before. But if I tap on this bug, it says re- uh, recent similar reports ten. So there's at least ten people that have the same problem. Um, so you know if you know we we can be the you know the ten of us. Can, can make the world a better place in a, in a way you know uh
2: well the sad the sad it's... thing is there's more than ten, and people don't use that feedback app enough and um also what what I would say is and I understand what you're saying that you know this is the chance to really have an impact, but by the time the public beta comes out, they're effectively at beta three, but I would really encourage you if you are a public beta user to still submit feedback because I think the numbers and the feedback really gives weight to the things that are important to us, and it really helps them decide where they're going next.
1: Yeah, Stephen, what's your um, what's your beta status? Do you have the betas anywhere?
0: Uh, I have Catalina on a twelve inch MacBook. I am mm-hmm. not logged into my iCloud account on that machine. <laughs> uh, I'm not running thirteen anywhere yet. I'll put the public beta on my iPad when it comes out, and uh, I'll probably move the phone like public beta 3 I usually do my phone pretty late in the game
1: I put it on my watch yesterday um it's fine I think it's better than than previous watchOS betas that I that I tested like last year the watchOS beta was super rough in that the heart rate sensor would not work or my workouts were not being monitored um I think it's mostly fine this year I I'm struggling a little with the new complications. <laughs> I mean, obviously, this is a problem that we keep mentioning every single time. I, For example, I was expecting to find a Reminders complication. Turns out in WatchOS 6 Beta 2, there is none, or at least there is no complication that works with the infograph phase. I'm guessing that this is uh, an issue related to the fact that the Reminders app is all new, including on WatchOS. Uh, they're using the new tile-based UI it's sort of similar to what they're doing with the Home app on the watch, only it's more colorful because it uses the same colors that you have in the new Reminders app on, the, on iOS and iPadOS. But it's mostly okay. I haven't seen the battery life. Seems fine already. Uh, Siri is working. Um, I just have a little bit of trouble with the complications and new watch faces, mm, probably because they're not finished yet. So, um, again... Wait for for the public beta, I assume it will be out later this month, so my assumption is that uh, we're gonna with beta three uh, we're also gonna get the public beta uh, but you know maybe wrong, maybe it's gonna be July I don't know still do not put it on your main devices yet unless you write about iOS for a living in which case <laughs> i hear you and uh, and i send you a big digital hug uh because yeah. this is what we got to do yeah
0: i've i've told this story before but my worst beta experience was probably iOS i think it was it must have been 4 or maybe 5 and there was a bug for a while where just sometimes when you went to go slide to answer the phone it would just like restart the phone I remember that. That's the primary function of this device. (laughs) That doesn't work anymore. There's always something, right? And I get the enthusiast standpoint to want to play with this stuff, but you got to go into it with open eyes that it's early days. And this year in particular, there's so much under the hood stuff, bringing iOS and the Mac closer together, bringing iPadOS into the world. There's a lot of rough edges this year that, in previous years, maybe were smoother, even at this early stage. Like iOS 12 is pretty okay in the early betas. It's always different every year, uh, and this year seems like want to hold off unless you really, like you said, you really need it for a project.
2: So on mine, the, uh, the the MacBook has been running fine. It's fully connected to my iCloud. I haven't had any issues, and the same thing with the iPad uh i've generally been okay i've got some apps of course that don't work with it and i'm getting uh you know garbage bar- battery life and i'm getting occasional um crashes to springboard but it's it just feels like the usual beta stuff for me but i have not put it on my phone and um thank you federico for the word of warning you're the can <laughs> you're the canary for all of us
1: <laughs> yeah well i'm i'm happy to serve that role um all right, there's a there's a couple of things that I would like to discuss, especially with David. Uh, not because I don't like you, Stephen, but I, just because I don't think you you care that much. Um,
0: <laughs> I haven't played with any of the iOS 13 stuff, so
1: exactly. And also, I know that David is really, let's just say, passionate about the Files app. Yes. And <laughs> some of the problems with the Files app. Oh <laughs> so <my>. I, <laughs> I'm that guy now. I would now, like aren't to I? talk. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah, well, yes, yes. You'll find your niche.
0: Angry files guy.
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. Um, before we do that, though, uh, Steven, we should thank our friends at PDF Pen.
0: This episode of Connected is brought to you by PDF Pen 11 from our friends at Smile. PDF Pen and PDF Pen Pro, they're your ultimate PDF viewing and editing apps for the Mac. You can add headers and footers along with watermarks to your documents. It includes a precision edit tool, plus you can OCR documents, which is a feature I use all the time. And PDF Pen 11 is an exciting update, and the new version includes some seriously cool features, like split view mode for comparing pages in a document, a new font bar for easier text editing, and the option to edit multiple form fields at the same time. With PDF Pen's continuity camera support, you can scan documents with your iPhone and then add multiple items to the PDF Pen library all at once. I've used PDF Pen basically forever on my Mac. A really common use is scanning paperwork, whether it be for the business or a kid's school or something like that, and then I can open it up and OCR it right there so that text is searchable. I can copy text out of a PDF into an email if I need to, and it does it basically instantly on my iMac. If you spend any time working with PDFs, you need PDF Pen 11. To learn more, go to smilesoftware.com slash podcast. That's smilesoftware.com slash podcast. Our thanks to PDF Pen 11 for their support of this show and Relay FM.
1: All right, David. Um, new files app in iOS 13 and iPadOS. Well, not new, but really improved. Effectively new. Say. Yeah. yeah. Effectively new. Uh, so just to go over a, a list of changes real quick. Um, column view. So you now, especially on iPad, you can now browse using columns, which makes sense because you have a large display. You have an inspector. at the When you select a file, you can sort of like in the finder, you can see a preview. There's a thumbnail. There's metadata. There's even quick actions for some file types. So like you can rotate an image or annotate a PDF using those quick actions. Again, just like the Finder. Um, Support for external drives. um, uh, You can now plug in uh, either via USB-C or Lightning, if you have an iPhone or an older iPad. Plug in external drives. um, In theory, all formats should be supported. I know that in beta 2, my SD card for my Sony Walkman, formatted in XFAT, started working. So that was nice. Better search functionality, so you can now type in in, in, type in the search bar in files and you will get suggestions for things like documents that have been shared with me or uh, specific tags or images as a file type. Sort of like in photos, for example, and Apple is now doing these uh, smarter uh, searches all across iOS in version 13 Um, we have an improved, and we're going to talk about this, an improved Save to Files extension, Um, Context Menus, uh, which is a new feature in in iOS and iPadOS. When you long press a document, you get this menu that contains a bunch of options, including this time, Zip and Unzip. So you can finally compress your files and you can open your archives on iOS. And we have more obvious access to Quick Look. So now instead of tapping a document and playing the lottery of what app is going to open this document or is it going to be previewed in the Files app? I don't know. Well, now you have a Quick Look button that will force files to preview the document using Quick Look, so you will not be taken into a separate app. Um, Have you played with the Files app at all, David? And second question, are you happy with the changes? Yeah, okay.
2: I uh, went to Starbucks yesterday, took my iPad with iOS 13 on it and worked there for three hours and I was randomly giggling as I was working. Mm-hmm. I was just giggling. Okay, so
1: it's a good sign. Yeah.
2: People next to me were like, what is this insane man giggling at? But <laughs>
1: I'm so happy. He's managing his files.
2: <laughs> I'm just so happy that they've solved some of these. you know, I've always felt like file management is the problem you have to solve before you can solve the bigger problems. You know, how can you put a professional audio app on a device where it doesn't have good file management? You know, that stuff has to be solved. And, and I deal with a lot of files in the day job, so and I want my iPad to be my laptop i don't want a laptop i don't want the heat i don't want I want the always on internet connection um it just you know the iPad is perfect for me for what I do on the road but historically I've had these problems, and I've been spending way too much time whining about it but um I was thirteen I just love what they've done with files, and of course there's areas that they still need to improve upon and things that they still need to add, but this is such a leap forward. And it makes, for me, my u- between this, and we haven't even got on our list, you guys talked about last week, but the improvements to Safari, it just like removes so many barriers for me in terms of just getting my day-to-day work done on an iPad. I love it.
1: The save to files extension, uh, we've talked about this <laughs> yeah. in person yeah. before. Yeah. Uh, for a long time, it was terrible. Then it sort of got ever so slightly better in that you were able to collapse folders in the extension. (laughs) This year, they added two features that you've been asking for a long time. You can now create new folders upon saving a file. So if you want to save it somewhere, but that location does not exist yet, you can now create a, a folder and you can rename a file before saving it. Yes. Again, these features will sound completely obvious to anyone who's used a windows pc or a mac before uh but for us ipad people it's a you know it's it's a small victory it's a
2: huge victory honestly because because i get people send me emails with things to they send me contracts review like like the connected rules but not so complicated and Mm -hmm. there and i need to save it and every time it's a new matter for a client i want to put it in a separate folder that's just the way i organize the files it makes sense and it just, you know, on the Mac, you hit command in or you push a button and you create a folder and it just hasn't done that. In fact, when you were just saying that, Federico, my mind went back to you and me sitting at Blue Bottle Coffee in San Francisco yes, at WWDC, I don't know, maybe four years ago. Yeah, and the uh, I had put the beta on the iPad then, and the save dialog was just that it was a list of all the folders in your directory. <laughs> I remember that <laughs> <laughs> yeah. there was no yes. disclosure triangle, and we were both going, "Well, this is an early beta; surely they'll fix that." <laughs> uh-huh. Surely. <laughs> and then, like two years went by, and they left it that way. Then we finally got, as you said, disclosure triangles, and now, but now it's it's like a, it's like a grown up save dialog, and you know, amen for that. I I should i i have a few i have a few things i'd like in addition i'll talk about those i guess in a minute but but overall it's just such an improvement i'm i'm really happy because there's a lot of us out there where the ipad does make a lot of sense as a mobile device but then you get into the silly file management issues that make it a non-starter or or just make it feel like they're making it unnecessarily painful to do this stuff
1: the other feature that i remember we talked about was tagging and unfortunately, I don't have good news yeah. for you yeah, on this front this year. <laughs> yeah. uh, the, there's no changes to how you can um, create tags or manage tags or view tags. Um, for example, I don't think you can tag a file while you're saving the file from the extension um, and uh, still adding a tag. You can now add a tag from the, ins- from the column view inspector. So that's new. Uh, but otherwise, browsing your tags in the files app is still super long list. And I know that you that uh, I mean, how many tags do you have in, in your iCloud Drive? Probably
2: like 300. Because I, Hazel, wow. Hazel okay. I have an automation system on my Mac where as I set up client matters, it automatically creates tags for the stuff I'm doing. And so I don't, I have an automated tagging system. But it because it cost me nothing to add it on the mac using hazel why not right um and i can access it on ios but the thing the the one thing i mean this, clearly they, they should have it in the save dialogue box but the one thing that's just kind of the outrage right now just like when we had that endless list of folders is they've got a tag list but there is no search bar it's like Um, so if, and I understand there's a lot of people and Apple probably has numbers on this, and I know I'm an outlier and I would guess most people have like 10 tags, but if you're going to use them for professional work, you're going to have a lot of tags. And the way it works now is you just have to scroll through the list with your finger. But the problem is it's a long list and you got to like use the time to find it. And also because the iPad can interpret If you do that scrolling gesture, but you don't leave your finger on the list long enough, and as you're trying to get through a long list, you do it fast, it may interpret that as a tap. Oh, no. And so what happens is it drops a tag in, but the list just keeps rolling up, you know? (laughs) Oh, boy. So then you've got the second problem of like, oh, I just added a tag to the file that I didn't want on the file. So, yeah, it's, it's, it's madness. But... But to be honest with you, um, and I thought about this after I saw what they did in iOS 13. If someone said, "Dave, you know, you got to choose between your children, right? <laughs> you can either get a new folder button or you can get a tag search. What do you want?" I would, mm-hmm. I would take the new folder button, absolutely. Okay. And so, uh, you know, they they fixed the uh, the part that needed fixing the most. Um, I, I still don't. I mean, there's still a few things like I was telling you guys before we started um, recording, I've been testing external devices attached to the iPad because ideally I would like a, a um, an encrypted APFS uh, SSD. I've got a little 1 terabyte one that I use for con- uh, giving data over to clients. It's always encrypted. I feel very safe putting data on there and I would like the iPad to be able to access that. And uh, we are in beta too, so I don't want to, to say, I don't know that this isn't going to get fixed in the next beta or whatever, but I'm I'm having challenges getting it to recognize an encrypted APFS. So, I mean, but that is once again that is kind of a an edge problem and I don't I don't feel like, you know, there's a lot of people out there trying to do that, and hopefully they, they get there. But so many of the, the real easy problems with files are managed with this. Um, I'm, I'm really quite happy with the progress they've
1: made. I mean, I, I, I don't think I manage files to the extent that you do. Honestly, for me personally, the, the only big feature that I'm really missing is the ability to have saved searches. Uh, like you can do in the Finder that you can create. Uh, you, you can create a search and you can save it uh, so you have a smart folder that returns the constantly updating uh, contents of those results. Um, and it's strange because Apple now, ha- now, as I mentioned, they're doing the um, smart search suggestions like on macOS. So when you're typing in a search bar, you can accept those suggestions and you can tokenize them so that you will have those little tokens in the search bar that are going to filter your results. And this is now even an API for developers. If you want to have these tokenized elements in a search field in UIKit, that's now an API, so you don't have to roll your own custom implementation of it. Um, but you can search using all of these criteria, but you cannot save them. So I feel like the next big step will be to take those searches and whether you're using files or photos or reminders or notes, um save them save those searches and, and have instant access to them or maybe make those sur- those searches um suggested series shortcuts so that when you're when instead of having to type in the the search criteria every single time you can instantly recreate them using a series shortcut uh that would be convenient
2: oh yeah that'd be great I mean there's there's still work to be done here but man they they made so much progress this year way more than I ever expected
1: yeah, yeah. Speaking of shortcuts, uh, we have a brand new and built-in shortcuts app in iOS 13 and iPadOS. Yeah. Um, have you have you played with it much? Have uh, you have you tried running your old shortcuts? Oh
2: yeah, man, I'm loving it. The um, this is another one where they went much further than I expected. I it feels kind of obvious in hindsight. You know, they workflow turned into shortcuts last year and it was very similar to workflow um, but this year it's like they went back and said okay now let's think about all the things that make it hard for people to put this stuff together you know you know mm-hmm. how does a person who's not a programmer how is that how are they ever going to think of a command like get variable you know i mean how is that mm-hmm. ever going to occur to them so yeah let's just make it easy and put you know access the variable in the same step as the action so there's never any question as to exactly what they're doing and making even more human friendly i guess would be the term and then you add to that all the additional triggers i mean basically it's a new application in my mind It, it you know it's it's going to look different it's going to be easier to program and uh Again, it is a substantial improvement, much more than i I expected we get some more actions, but I didn't expect they'd kind of re engineer right. the whole thing
1: yeah yeah it, uh, as you mentioned it, it does feel like last year the effort was all about how do we convert workflow to shortcuts um whilst you know without breaking any of the old shortcuts and this time around they're you know they're saying, well, we're now a built in app that we're gonna be pre-installed on millions and millions of devices and how can we take that framework that way of building automations and and simplify that in a way that it's less programmary and, and a little more approachable and I think the new editor uh, the new shortcuts editor um, it, it's really it, it was really a shock for me when I first saw it and I played with it for, for five minutes and then I was like yeah I'm sold um, the main idea is uh, they got rid of get variable. So the idea of you you get some data and you pass that data to the next action and then you save it again and then you repeat this for all kinds of uh, variables that you have in a shortcut, that is gone. Like literally, there there is no more get variable action because now every action or basically, uh, like almost every action has a built-in parameter field so that instead of saying... Instead of doing, for example, things like get variable and then get images from input, for example, you can just say get images from. And after from, there's an empty text field. And that field is a parameter. And you can put any magic variable in there. So what they're doing is they're making the editor more sort of like natural language, like in how the actions have a description and that description is written in plain English. And by using parameters, it Makes sense because you end up with an action that says "get images from screenshots" or something like that from photos. Um, it's much more readable and it's much more like intuitive because all of these parameters they're highlighted in blue, which means you can tap them to inspect them to do things with them. Um, it takes a while to get used to it, but I think it it makes a lot more sense. And it, the best part of of this approach is that it's gonna cut the number of actions that you need to put in in your shortcut by a considerable amount. Uh, I tweeted a couple of weeks ago um, in 30 minutes I was able to adapt and this was in beta 1 so there were all kinds of issues and bugs but in 30 minutes I was able to go from 160 actions in one of my more advanced shortcuts to 130 actions. So 30 actions are, were just gone and that those are huge savings because you know every time you're you're removing code Basically, from from your program, that is good news because less code means l- less complexities and you know fewer complexities and less less uh, you know uh, it, it it's much better when you have a more compact shortcut that performs the same function with fewer actions in the editor. But that's not new. That that's not all. There is. In, in the new shortcuts app. I mean we I have... just add
2: on to that point though. I feel like the efficiency for a more novice user or intermediate user is going to be even higher because you're gonna take a six step shortcut and turn it into three. Yeah. And and they've rethought even just the language in those parameters. So everything is written very much in natural language. So you it just I feel like they've really opened the floodgates for normal people to make shortcuts.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I think so, and uh, and I hope that they can have the proper migration system in place. It seems to be working mostly in beta, too, as we talked about uh, a few minutes ago, uh, but I I do wonder if there's even more that Apple could do to automatically remove and reinsert actions uh, when uh, because they, they're changing the file format, right, between yeah. the old Shortcuts app and the new one. So when you upgrade to the new Shortcuts app, if you have iCloud Sync enabled, it's going to update the file format of, the, of your shortcuts. And those shortcuts, if you have iCloud Sync enabled on an iOS 12 device, they will no longer be usable in iOS 12. Because it requires an upgrade to the shortcut. But side. I
2: interrupted you. There's new stuff too. There's
1: new stuff too. I mean, uh, uh, major improvements to if uh, to conditional blocks. So you have a lot more rules and conditions to choose from. I've wanted to have these these all these filters and criteria for basically since 2014 when work, workflow came out. So now you can do things like if variable has any value. Or if contains, or if it's greater than, or less than, you know, all of these conditions, they are now supported uh, in in the if blocks. Uh, the separation between Siri shortcuts and the shortcuts app. So the suggested Siri shortcuts, those little actions from apps, they used to live in the Settings app in iOS 12, and your custom shortcuts from the shortcuts app. Now all of those live together in the built-in shortcuts app. There's no more shortcuts section of settings now everything lives in the shortcuts app and you will find your suggestions from the system in the gallery so i think it makes a lot of sense yeah so much easier than before um and again all of your shortcuts from settings will be automatically moved to the shortcuts app in ios 13 and they will be placed at the bottom of your library sadly still no folders so I don't know i don't know what's taking them so long i feel like
2: that's your tags you know i mean it's like
1: yes yes exactly
2: with every if you had to pick right you get folders or you get a better if conditions which one do you pick
1: uh the if conditions yeah you want more power yeah 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 i can i can still live without folders the, in, in this process of uh, unifying Siri shortcuts and, and custom shortcuts, uh, Apple also simplified how you can uh, create custom phrases for your shortcuts. So the Add to Siri UI has been completely redesigned. First of all, all of your shortcuts that you create in the Shortcuts app, you don't need to create a phrase for them anymore. Because by default, if you just say the name of a shortcut to Siri, It'll run the shortcut, even if you didn't previously create a phrase for it. But if you want to create a custom phrase, um, you don't need to speak the phrase anymore. You can just type it.
2: Did you ever have that thing with the old one where you would be trying to say a name and it would just refuse to accept the name you wanted? Yeah. That used to make me so crazy.
1: Yeah. Especially if you try to use like system words like podcast or calendar, like terms that the system would confuse for native yeah. um, iOS features. It seems like the the iOS 13 is better at this kind of stuff because I know that um, I have a few shortcuts that have the word podcasts or reminders in them uh, or like the name of a, of an accessibility feature and they just work. Like Siri doesn't care.
2: Oh, see, I, I took all those names out because I could never get them. Yeah. 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 All right. Okay. Okay. Um,
1: yeah, you, uh, and also from the this is one of the advantages of shortcuts becoming a built in app. Um, in the Add to Siri UI, you can actually modify the action of a of a of a shortcut using the shortcuts editor, even if you're not currently in the shortcuts app. So let's say, for example, that the in iOS 13 James Thompson decides to adopt the new uh, shortcuts APIs and parameters for PCALC. When you, so assume that all of this is happening. When you're in PCALC, you will be able to add a PCALC operation to Siri using the add to Siri UI. You will be able to type in a custom phrase instead of speaking the phrase, and you will be able to edit the maybe a parameter uh, of PCALC from the shortcuts editor even though you're not actually in the Shortcuts app. So the Shortcuts Editor is now becoming a feature spread across the system, available to all apps, and this is one of the benefits of Shortcuts becoming a built-in app. It can now be a, a layer. A, you know. It can now be a feature that other apps can use, um, and you know, it, it makes everything so much easier, so much more consistent, uh, because all of your sh- Siri shortcuts, you can edit them before adding them to Siri. It's really, it's really well done.
2: And that's one more vector into shortcuts. So people who may not have opened the app may stumble into it through some other app they like when they try to automate it inside the app. And I don't know. I just, yeah, it's that's great. It's so much, yeah, so much good news. And we haven't we haven't even talked about the new actions and the triggers and all this. Oh yeah, they do. Uh,
1: I mean, um, there's new new actions uh, and, and updates to older actions. Uh, the new ones, for example, uh, you can hand off playback. To a HomePod or an AirPlay 2 speaker. Or you can set the playback. So if you want to play some music, you can uh, start playing that music on a HomePod or any other AirPlay 2 speaker directly.
2: A Um, a specific one, which is going to make me unbearable to my family. I'm just going to tell you that right now.
1: Um, Same for Apple TV. You can now... there's, There's new Apple TV and Apple TV remote actions that allow you to wake an Apple TV and even open... a specific app on your Apple TV. So what something that I immediately did was create a two-action shortcut that wakes my Apple TV and opens the TV app. And thanks to... Stephen, what's the name? HDMI CEC? Yeah. The thing that wakes your television... Sometimes.
0: It sometimes sometimes wakes your television.
1: (laughs) It sometimes... Well, it always works for me. So maybe, maybe Uh, I've been very... uh, Maybe I have, you know, Italian HDMI cables are better. I don't know. (laughs) Uh, But it does wake my television every time. Um, We have... uh, You can set light or dark mode uh, from shortcuts. You can enable all kinds of accessibility features, like assistive touch, from shortcuts you have a whole new roster of podcasts actions. So if you use the podcast app, you can search, subscribe, play episodes uh, directly from shortcuts. Um, you can set the wallpaper. This is a uh, uh, This is a new action. You can set the wallpaper for your home screen or your lock screen. So maybe, you know, you could come up with interesting ways to set a wallpaper for every day of the week, or maybe set a new wallpaper when you tap an NFC tag. Speaking of which, there are new triggers. Uh, Automation is now a huge component of the new shortcuts app. Uh, And we have an article on Mac Stories with a list of all the triggers. Um, But basically, the thing you got to keep in mind is, uh, you will now be able to run your shortcuts automatically or almost automatically, depending on conditions like time of the day or location or whether you open the specific app or if you just turned off your alarm clock in the morning, some of these automations will be... Um,
2: confirmation. Yeah.
1: Some of these auto- will be yeah. confirmation-based, so you will get a notification and you will need to confirm, yes, I want to run my shortcut. Other, other automations will be automatic. Uh, and a good way to think about it is if they are based on things that you manually performed they will not require confirmation from you. So for example, scanning an NFC tag is something that you need to manually and physically do. Those shortcuts, they will not require a notification and a confirmation from you. Same with opening an app. You actually needed to manually tap the icon to open the app. So shortcuts will not require confirmation from you. But things like environmental-based conditions or um, you know time-based conditions like you connect to a Wi-Fi network, or it's 7 a.m. Those are not triggers that you manually and physically performed. So those uh, automations will require a confirmation from you.
2: Yeah, you know, um, it's just so there's a lot to unpack with shortcuts. But if you are listening and you didn't get on the shortcut train last year, this year, you need to take a new look at it because it is, it's more powerful and it's easier. I, I was, Talking to some of the shortcuts crew, I feel like, you know, and this is me being a California hippie, but, you know, you put a, a flower into the ground and you need a year to get the roots in. And then all of a sudden it starts making flowers. This is this is what it feels to me like. They've had a year to get shortcuts kind of embedded into the operating system. And now the pedals really down on this thing, man. And it's it's like just the idea of like, what if you want to have a wallpaper when you're at work? And a wall, you know, connected to the work Wi Fi, maybe, mm-hmm, and then a different mm-hmm. wallpaper when you come home. Why not? You know, you can do that.
1: The thing I am currently building, um, which I, I guess I can just talk about it. Maybe other people can implement it right now. My my theory is I want to make a shortcut that when I turn off my alarm clock in the morning, or if I just tap on the on on, on an NFC tag on my nightstand, yeah, it will set a wallpaper. On my iPhone, and that wallpaper is not a photo. It's not an image. Well, technically, it's an image, but it's a it's a representation of my schedule and agenda for the day. So I want to make a shortcut that scans my reminders, scans my calendar, creates a list of the things that I have in Sh- my day, sure, converts them f- to an image, and sets it as my wallpaper.
2: <laughs> that that makes total sense because for a couple of reasons. Number one is you can do that now, right? Uh, yeah. And the second is. The, uh, the desktop is still a um, – or what do you call it? The, I guess the home screen is still a second-class citizen for multitasking. Yeah. So uh, I just yesterday, I, I, for a couple of weeks, I had this optimism where I was putting apps on my home screen because it looks so nice with you know the new con- Control Center or the Today View right on the left. But then I realized I still can't access these when I'm trying to work on my iPad. So I just put them all back in folders and dropped them all back in the dock again. So why not turn that into a a daily updated um, like status board
1: mm-hmm. Exactly exactly. So that's my idea. Um, unfortunately, I don't think there's any any major improvements to image image generation. so you still probably have to do some weird hacks with like custom HTML and CSS, convert that to PDF and to PDF, make an image and have the image be resized to specific uh, dimensions based on your device. But it's possible. Uh, so it's it's something that I, that I want to build. And I have the, you know, we have the whole summer to play around with all of these new ideas. Um, yeah,
2: I, I've done something like that, but it's not daily updated. It's just I, I put down my six-month plan and I turned it into a wallpaper. Like, what am I going to be? What do I need to complete this month and for the next six months? And it's a wallpaper now. Because once I gave up on keeping apps on it, I said, well, I might as well use that space. I'll send you a picture of it, but but I like your your idea better because it's dynamic; it'll change every day.
1: There's gonna be a lot of work, uh, I guess, for the both of us uh, to update all of our shortcuts from last year. Uh, yeah. Not because they're gonna break, but because we can make them shorter and more compact, and we can take advantage of new actions. and I, and, I, and I don't think Apple is done. Again, uh, we have until beta three or four to maybe expect. Some other additions and maybe there will be some uh, further improvements to shortcuts. I know that they added new actions and some refinements to triggers in Beta Two, for example. So uh, this is not all there. There's going to be in shortcuts uh, by September, I'm sure. Uh, it's a it's an exciting time to be a shortcuts user, and I think you know we were last year. Uh, some people were debating. Well, they bought shortcut. They bought workflow. They made shortcuts. And now they're gonna forget about it and never, never update it again. Not only did Apple keep updating shortcuts, they actually decided to make it a built-in app, which is a big deal.
2: Yeah, and I, I forgot to even mention uh, with the new today view present on the desktop or the, the home screen of the iPad, um, my, you know you can pick you can pick two widgets in essence to always be present. And one of mine is Siri shortcuts. And so all of those primary shortcuts that I make now, I can trigger right from the desktop. It's great. It's kind of like what Gray's doing, but its I think it's better because it doesn't do all those crazy animations. And, you know, you know it's just like on the left side, you tap a button and your shortcuts fire off. Have you tried that yet?
1: Um, not yet, actually. I just sent you a screenshot
2: um, of how I did it. You take a look. I mean, it's... I mean, all it is is for the Today View screen, you get to pick two widgets. So I'm using Up Next and um, Siri Shortcuts. And so all of your Siri Shortcut buttons that you put to the Today View are now on your desktop at all times. Maybe I'm not describing huh. it well.
1: You know, No, I think my main problem right now is that my one of the bugs that I have in Beta 2 is that my shortcut widget is empty. Oh, no. So yeah, it says no shortcuts, oh, no. Uh, even though I do, I do have shortcuts enabled for the widget. Uh, they're just not working. What I, what I also wanted to mention is that uh, adding shortcuts to the home screen is so much better than before. Apple used to rely on that weird Safari web clip workaround hack, um, and now you can just add your shortcuts natively to the home screen, and when you tap on them, they're going to launch the shortcuts app and the shortcut directly yeah. uh, they're not going to show you that weird safari uh, jump in- yeah. safari jump screen in between uh, it's so much better than before so i'm probably going to revise my stance on do i want to have a shortcut home screen probably not the entire home screen but i think i'm going to put a lot more shortcut icons on the home screen uh, than before uh, because it's so much more native and and so much more reliable and faster than before, uh, but yeah, right now my shortcuts widget is completely empty, and I've tried reboots, uh, removing and reinstalling the widget, uh, changing which shortcuts are marked as widget shortcuts, uh, but no, it's it's still empty. So uh, that's unfortunate, but you know, it'll work eventually.
2: Hey Federico, do you think Steven's asleep?
1: I think Steven is, has gone to the Apple store and bought an iPad Pro. Yeah, I think we inspired him. Because he was listening him. to us. Yeah, we inspired <laughs> him to, to switch to the iPad Pro.
0: I'm here. I'm just glad that uh, David was here to keep you busy because I'm really yeah, struggling I, not to cough between I, words.
1: I could talk about files and shortcuts with David all day. We could do a five-hour show and still have topics to talk about.
2: I, I know. <laughs> I'm just smiling again because this is all great. The stuff, they really they really did a good job this year, I think.
1: Well, I'm going to
0: cut you off there. So time, mm-hmm. time to wrap things up. Uh, but David, thank you for joining us for filling in uh, with Mike. I couldn't think of anyone better to, to handle these topics with Federico. So uh, thanks for your time today.
2: My pleasure. I, I'm always happy to help, but do not involve me with these rules because I, I feel like I'm not <laughs> up to it. I did not go to Stanford. I don't think I'm up to interpreting these rules. <laughs> <laughs> If you want to
0: find links to stuff we spoke about today, you can head over to the website relay.fm slash connected slash 248. While you're there, you can send us an email with feedback or follow up or you can do so on Twitter. You can find Federico there at V-I-T-I-C-C-I. Federico, of course, is the editor in chief of MacStories.net. You can find me on Twitter as ISMH and my writing over at 512pixels.net. David, where can people find you?
2: uh max sparky would be a good place maxsparky.com and then of course relay.fm slash mpu if you love steven once a week why not twice a week <laughs> putting down on a t-shirt i think all right i'll be the first one to buy it okay <laughs>
0: uh i'd like to thank our sponsors this week bombass eero and pdf pin and until next week gentlemen say goodbye Arrivederci. goodbye adios